Uh, we're looking at small business tonight. How does your business survive in an inflationary environment? And I wonder if you've got stories to tell us. Uh, as a small business owner, you must be looking at the global environment with a fair degree of trepidation. There's a whole lot of stuff going on at the moment, which is downright terrifying. And it's not necessarily to the extent of what's happening in Turkey, as Koki Koeman has so eloquently explained this evening. But when you've got inflation rates running at uh, 10 or 12 percent, provided you're selling into those environments, you're fine because you can push up prices um, and you can have a pretty good time of it. But when you are in an environment where costs are going up, and in South Africa, the cost pressures are enormous. Um, the cost of doing business in South Africa is astounding actually when you look at the compliance cost all of the forms you have to fill in the amount of time that you have to fill uh, do the work of government the administration that needs to be done around small businesses when you look at the the sort of backstops that you need to have in terms of elevated security costs the riskiness of energy provision the real pressure uh, when it comes to uh, managing labor relations, all of these sorts of things are enormous in South Africa, possibly disproportionately big. So how do you protect yourself in an environment where inflation is now adding? It's like gravel to the, the joints, the, 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 the movable parts of your business. Our small business focused on how you survive an inflation crunch. So Nova Vuba is co-founder and managing director at Perpetuate. It's a terrifying environment, Sonoba, that we are finding ourselves in. And I think small businesses are really at the coalface of the huge pressures that businesses around the world are facing at the moment. Hi, Bruce. Always a pleasure to join you. Thank you so much for having me. Yep, it is an absolutely frightening environment to be in and operate as a small business right now, speaking personally and for many others who are in the same boat. Um, yeah, it is It is absolutely daunting, but I think that there are some things we can do. Um, obviously, there are things we can control and some that we can't and some things that we can be surprised by and some things that we probably won't be surprised by. A example, more interest rate increases um, al along the way. Um, and I think it's important for small businesses to kind of pause and go back to the drawing board and do an assessment of kind of the key drivers and levers in their business and also where they're likely to feel the hit you know, are you going to feel it from, like you said, are you a lucky business who sells into that market and you can just, you know, hike up your prices to follow the inflationary um, trends? Or are you a business where you actually are feeling the effects of inflation in your input costs and in your cost of sales and therefore have a very difficult time not increasing your prices to kind of move that increase in prices to your customer? I think it must be hell at the moment managing a restaurant or owning a restaurant, looking at the um, the, the cost of yeah. raw materials going into that and also wage pressure of staff. And you want the very best staff in your kitchens. You want the best staff at your front Correct. of house. Um, you want the best locations. And so the most popular locations, inflation will affect you there. You get hit on every single front. So how then... So make a couple of points. Not too many. Just a couple of things. Just a couple of things that can give us a little bit of peace uh, when mm. it comes to, the, I mean, what is cash is king? So cash flow surely is number one on the list. 
Number one, cash is king. If you don't have a handle on your cash flow and you don't have an ability to start getting some tools in place that give you a sense of where you're going to end the month or where you're going to start the month, you definitely are out of the water right from the get-go. So like you say, that hasn't changed. Cash is king. Know what you're in for um, and kind of have conversations with your suppliers, your lenders, you know, your entire value chain to understand what's coming and when it's coming and negotiate where you can um, because you know there are instances where you can negotiate kind of some sort of um, alleviance against kind of some of the inflationary pressures or effectively know when they will kick in and kind of lock in if you can for some period some sort of level of cost so that you can hold those and predict those going forward. The other one I think that's important is that we all need to be very close to our cost model. We all need to be very close close to understanding our unit cost of whatever it is that you produce. So use the restaurant example. To, so to serve that amazing kind of, um, you know, smoothie, what are all the costs that are going into that and which ones will be subjected to increases due to inflation? Well, um, everything, and, how and, and, and you have to be brutal about what you include yes. in your costs. I was talking the other day to Roy Bagatini. Yes. Roy is um, the CEO of Woolworths, and so he understands mm-hmm. the stuff. But mm-hmm. he got his training at SAB Miller. And we were just talking about mm-hmm. how pedantic SAB Miller were in the day and how absolutely fastidious they were. They measured everything. They measured the water costs. They measured the pipes. Everything, down to the tire tread on the trucks. So when they did the, <laughs> and so when you truly understand your costs in that mm-hmm. that sort of granular level, then you understand what it's costing you to make that smoothie. If you kind of go, well, my rent's up about ten yep. percent, staff about seven, yep. strawberries six. We can use fewer <laughs> strawberries. We'll be fine. You're not thinking hard enough. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. And Bruce, another area that we often see small businesses forget to price in is the price of time. So, you know, the, the time of that the person in the kitchen spending making that smoothie, the time of the waiter who goes out to serve it, that all adds up, right? So, yes, all of your input costs, you need to have a full-on handle with it because then it's the only way that you can start to understand where you can be, as you said, ruthless and decide what you need to cut in order to survive and in order to kind of get to the other side of this period and season that we're in at the moment. Sequoia Capital, it's a a huge venture capital firm in the United States. It's like the king of Silicon Valley, issued a note Mm. to its customers the other day and lots of tips and saying, look, things are going to get tough. It's going to be a long, slow recovery. Um, So, you know, make your cutbacks, really cut your cloth according to, um, you know, as as much as you can. Rather live, they said, and I love this, better to live (laughs) with the pain of discipline than the pain mm-hmm. of regret. Um, and and, and so by taking, by being self-disciplined in, in immediately uh, and not mm. delaying painful decisions. And it, I mean, it's many of these decisions are painful because you may have to be looking at people and saying, I love you very, very much. And I'm sorry about you and your children and everybody yeah. else, but this business needs to survive for the seven who are behind, left behind, and you mm-hmm. three are going to have to mm-hmm. go. And it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's awful, awful, awful. It is. It really is. But it really is. 12 months from now, you lose 10 jobs, not three. That's regret versus exactly. discipline now. And that's hard. 
that is very, very hard. You're spot on. And I think that's exactly it. And, you know, you bring up a good point, which is kind of livelihoods and, and jobs, right? So instead of losing, like you say, all 10, you know, at least try and salvage seven or five and claw your way back up to the 10 that you were on after surviving this period. I think that is spot on. It is going to be much harder to kind of rebuild from scratch rather than kind of scale back and size down and kind of build back to what you were when things um, kind of move back to where they need to be. The other bit that's very important about that is actually taking a really good look at your overheads. Um, and I, I think it's important for, yes, it's important for you to understand kind of your input costs and cost of sales and understand your margins and understand your, you know, cost, cost of sales, understand your unit costs and all of that in order to understand how much money you have left to service your overheads. Then you've got to look at your overheads and understand, you know, are there some fixed overheads that you can do without or that you can shave down on? Or are there some overheads that are fixed that you could actually convert into variable overheads so that they start to move in line with the revenue that you make rather than them being fixed costs? And I mean, you, you know, one one of these is is rental, you know, um, as you mentioned. And maybe, you know, you need to look at alternative options where or negotiate parts of your lease agreement where you're able to have a variable, you know, cost associated to that, which is linked to your level of revenue production. Uh, and that, yeah, I mean, when, and I'm seeing more and more companies um, encouraging, some actively instructing staff to get back to the office. And there may be some very, very good reasons <laughs> for that. But uh, you know, if, you, if, if, you, if you've got 200 square meters of space, it's tiny, maybe 500 square meters mm -hmm, of space. Mm -hmm. And if you let half your staff work from home half the week, you may be able to cut that 500 there meters down go. to 250 meters or 300 square meters um, at the there next negotiation with your landlords. Um, and really, you know, Box just a little bit smarter. I was talking to a CEO the other day saying, you know, they controversially at the beginning of their rental, at the beginning of their lease were renting. Um, and mm -hmm. looked at the monthly rental costs and said, that's insane that you're paying so much yep. in rent. And now yep. what they've been able to do is reduce the space they use. Yep, scale back. And they are telling the people, come in occasionally, and it's fine. Yep. Um, and that yep. works for some, not for everybody, but it's absolutely huge that you can do that. And also, I mean, again, I, I love advertisers. I love people who advertise their products. I think it's very important. <laughs> um, I, I pay for my salary. <laughs> um, but you also have to be considerably smarter about how you get your messaging to market. Um, and there are different ways Correct. of doing that. Correct. You need to be very clear and it goes back down to knowing every every cent. So you need to go back down to understanding on all the different channels that you can use for advertising and acquiring customers. What is the return you get for every rand you spend? You know, how much are you getting back? And then you need to get very, like you said, brutal around which ones to cut or scale back on in the season and which ones that are potentially cheaper or with a higher return that you can leverage. Um, we see a lot of businesses kind of realizing that actually our money is better spent in further entrenching ourselves with the customers we do have and leveraging them for referral business than it is spent on kind of above the line marketing. Other businesses are kind of shifting more uh, money towards kind of more digital trackable ROI um, on marketing in order to know kind of whether it's working for them or not. As they count pennies, they definitely want to know that the return is 
bringing about customers and that they're able to keep the customers they have. Because I think in this season, we also worry about gaining new customers. And sometimes actually the biggest leverage is making sure your current customers don't leave you. How do you give your customers love without it costing you an arm and a leg? Um, it, it, it's this thing mm. of, 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 you know, you, you don't want to spoil them. Um, or, or, or have favorites because then you've always got to do it. But you want to encourage your customers. And, and you know, your product may be great. Your service levels may be awesome. Mm. And your people may be great. You may have great relationships. But you know, so mm. five other of their suppliers or their customers got similar levels. I mean, this isn't about Correct. love. This is about getting yeah. deals done. So how do you do it without losing your shirt? I think it's important to understand what you have in your arsenal that could actually add additional value to your customers. So in the same way, you may be looking for other areas of income. You may be actually looking at stuff you already have, tools, resources, skills that actually may add additional value to your customers for very minimal cost. Um, the other is you know, loyalty programs, and this works both ways. So how do you you know um, set up loyalty structures or enriching the loyalty structures you have already or how do you as a business who probably is on a couple of loyalty programs as a business as well get more out of your loyalty programs and be able to kind of pass on some of that value to your customers or sometimes it's actually just decrease the impact on the price to your end consumer or customer um, I think for consumers at the moment yes we are all price sensitive but it's also around the value that is created um, that actually keeps people longer and sometimes Sometimes that value created is not always as expensive as the shirt on your back. And there are sometimes kind of some smarter ways to do it. Earlier on, we were talking about even like, you know, office spaces. I've seen a lot of corporates and kind of other small business and medium-sized businesses decide to sublet some of their, you know, office space to people who technically are clients or new types of clients in order to actually only use up, let's say, 60, 70% of the original floor space and actually bring in a different type of income through rent income through subletting. Wonderful guidance there, Songoba Thank you very much indeed. Co-founder, managing partner, managing director at Perpetuate. Small business feature this evening with Songoba Vuba.